Hello, magical money makers, and welcome to the EPOP podcast, episode five of season one. Season's one theme is. They, they probably the already know. They probably. Yeah, already. I, I think they probably already know since we're on episode five. But the theme is our journey to short-term rental success. And today's episode is called Nerds Unite. Woo! Nerds Unite. Numbers and stats. And I'm going to start with a stat and a number for you. At $458 per night, this city, and by city, last time we got tripped up on the word city, this town um, has the highest per night rental average in the U.S. This is a very hard one because obviously there's millions of areas that you could pick from, or at least hundreds of thousands. So do you want a hint? Of course I want a hint. Okay. I'm going to give you a hint. Who doesn't want a hint? Always. The answer is always I yes. thought maybe you just had a, a place in your head that you're like, nope, I think this is it right off the bat. But if you- Well, I I would have, except I read your notes and I saw that you had a hint and that it wasn't the, the state that I was thinking. So- All right. Tell everyone what you were thinking. <laughs> well, I was thinking California, but you said it's okay. out west. But it's not in California. So there's your hint, everyone, Heather and everyone else. Your hint is it's $458 per night it's out west but it's not in california lightning struck in an open plain and we forgot this old city's name see your breath on window pane let's just talk till it strikes again on my way through I saw you on my way through. I have to just give a shout out here to our, our really great friend, Kaylin Bohr, who recorded the intro outro for this podcast. And I'm super thankful right now because every time we get one of these questions in the beginning, it allows me the time to think while the song is playing because, I mean, I get a little stumped and then I always feel on the spot. So I do need like a couple seconds. I right, so you like the format. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the outro is longer, so I could start playing Maybe the you outro should. and then you'd have another 30 I'm seconds like, to think to about it. start to get like clammy and like sweating a little bit if I get the answers wrong. Um, well, this one, I mean... I mean this is very ambiguous because at first I was thinking sorry to cut you off I was thinking when when you said it's out west but not California I was like oh well you know then it's in Oregon or it's in Washington but actually that you just mean west like it doesn't have to be on the west coast I will actually give you another hint it is not on the west it is not coastal so because I was gonna say oh Seattle right but no I guess then it's probably I kind of said uh, in my head as the intro music was playing. Mm-hmm. Again, I had time to think as well. Yeah. It's like, well, you also know the answer. So no, no, I feel but like I, that time helps. to think about how I wanted to do this because oh. I thought, should we just keep Heather guessing until <laughs> she gets it? Because I do have some other <laughs> oh, hints gosh. I could give you. All right. Yeah, let's do it. But it's so hard. And guys, if you get this, huge props to you. Even if you get it, even if you guess a few times and it's not it and you somehow do come up with it, uh, it it's difficult. All right, here's and the if there's nothing on the line, there's nothing at stake, but I still want to get the answer right okay. because that's how competitive I am for, for no reason I, I'm at all. I'm going to start I mean, with a nothing. hint that, that won't help anyone else listening, but will help you. Okay. We have been to this place. Okay. Um, okay. Is there anything in your mind right now? Breckenridge, Colorado. Okay, Breckenridge was number two. Woo! All right. So it was like 453 a night. So it was like number two. Okay. So that's actually pretty cool. So... So great job. All right. It, um, we have only been here Sedona? once. Sedona? Not Sedona. We were not even here. We never stayed overnight here. I know this isn't helping anyone else out, but oh, when goodness. I give the... Okay. Okay. It's, it's near a, ver- a big airport out west, but it's not in that specific town. Okay. It is a resort town. Okay. <laughs> when I give... I'll try to not give, so keep guessing, guys, in your head or make a list. Uh, it is known for skiing. Right, so I would say Jackson Hole, but we've never been okay, to Wyoming. Right. We've never been to that airport. No, but you're- It's in Colorado? Utah. I, it's I in Utah. Obviously, it's Utah. We've been to Utah before. Okay. 
Am I close? Is it in Utah? It's in Utah. Okay. So it's Salt so, Lake City? Not Salt Lake City, but the neighboring town oh, that's super cute. And yeah, the one where the festival is, which yes, I'm and that was the last on. thing yeah, I was going to give was that. Because there's so many Sundance Film Festival. Wonderful. Park City. Wealthy people who go there. So. Park City, Utah. Highest okay. per Gosh, night that was harder than average I rental. Park okay. City, Utah. If you guys, if you got that, <laughs> huge, huge, huge congratulations. That is awesome. Um, Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat because it, I mean, it's just interesting. Uh, I'll run down the list here. Um, I'll give you a. All right, there's 25. I'll just give you all 25. Ready? Here we go. Oh, and can, can this I is just, numbers are, and stats? Are you on like Unite. our favorite website or your favorite website? I suppose uh, this is from. I, I should throw this out there right yeah. in the beginning. AirDNA.co.co. Yes. This is Travis. Like he's been come obsessed. He's become obsessed with this. There, website. And I only have used it for about 10% of its power. This is um, if you're talking numbers and stats and you really want to dive in, this will you can plug in any property address in the U.S. and it will give you an estimate not even an estimate, a, a pretty, I'll get into this a little bit later in the episode, but a, a good estimation of how much that property will do gross rental uh, based on the stuff around it. Now, some stuff can skew the data, uh, but, and we'll get into that. But anyway, AirDNA is awesome. So and they- is also not sponsored by AirDNA, but we would love to be sponsored by AirDNA. So if you are I, I remotely mean, connected to well, AirDNA and you're listening to this. Or maybe I'll reach out to AirDNA before this podcast goes <laughs> out and maybe it will, will be sponsored. Maybe they'll get back huh? to me so quickly. That, that would be amazing. But that, that's only probably two weeks from now. So let's see if you can work some magic, Trav. Work some magic. We'll see. Uh, you guys will know when this airs, when we're saying <laughs> this. You'll be like, one of you is wrong. One of you is right. Um, but yes, they gave the top 25 cities with the highest um, ADR, which is average daily rate. And so this is fascinating. So this website is, if you like numbers and stats and are a nerd, uh, this is the website for you when it comes to short-term rentals. Um, and if you're listening, even if you're not a nerd, whatever, I'm going to give you all 25. So I'm going to run them down. Or do you want to jump in here? Or you just want me to go? Well, it's really small on the screen. Right, so I got my glasses on, so I'll go here. Park City, Utah, number one, 458 a night. Breckenridge, which you guessed right off the bat, nicely done, 453 a night. Steamboat Springs, Colorado, 449. Palm Springs, California, 445. Lahana, Hawaii, 438. I'd love to have a place in Hawaii. Um, South Lake Tahoe, 431. Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, 431. Destin, Florida, a huge drop off here, 362. Can you see these now? You want to go? Number nine. Hilton Head, North Carolina. South Carolina. Sorry, Need South Carolina. Need the glasses Carolina. on. <laughs> 361. Big Bear Lake, California. So if you listen to the other... Heather can't read it. I'm leaning in. I'm going to read it. I can't read it because, first of all, you have the computer screen tilted towards you. Okay. All, all right. right. So I can't see it. You just roll with it, please. That's right. I'll roll with it. Is Some of these you heard on the stats from the last episode, the intro facts. So some of the ones where we said these are the, the, top the most 10. popular... Mm-hmm. Uh, also have the highest daily rate, which which makes some sense. So Big Bear Lake, number 10. Kihei, I'm probably saying that wrong. Hawaii, 11. Scottsdale, Arizona, 12. Miramar Beach, thir- Florida, 13. Orange Beach, Alabama, 14. Gulf Shores, Alabama, right next to it, 15. I talked about Gulf Shores and Orange Beach yesterday with a friend. Uh, 16, Sevlerville, Tennessee, which is probably in the Great Smoky Mountains. I guess a town around Gatlinburg, probably. Um, I'm just guessing that 17 Bend, Oregon, 18 Galveston, Texas, 19 Nashville, Tennessee. That, that was Galveston, Tennessee. Oh, Galveston, Tennessee. Yep. Okay. Wow. I mean, that, Hey, you did that from back there. Galveston, Tennessee, 19 Nashville, Tennessee. We're on a run of Tennessee area, uh, towns now 20 Kissimmee, Florida, 21 Austin, Texas, 22 Miami beach, Florida, 23 Boston, Mass. 24, Panama City Beach, Florida, a hot spot for short-term rentals. And 25, Davenport, Florida. So lots of Florida Everybody's littering. Everybody's going to Florida. And I just have to say, Trav, when we first started, I mean, we'd been to Florida lots of times, but when we first started going to Florida sometimes in the winter after we had our son Wit, instead of going longer distances, we're like, well, let's just escape, get to some heat. We decided to go to Florida. And what was your feelings on that, Trav? I you, you mean or before we went? Yeah, yeah. I was like, like no it, way, no. we're not going to Florida. This is lame. Like Florida's lame. Like I'm not said. going to Florida. <laughs> like I'm going somewhere international. Like 
it's Florida. We're not going on a vacation in Florida. That's so basic. And then well, now we, we're just basic bees, I guess. Na- then we did, and I loved it. It's magic. And I tried to buy a place in Florida. <laughs> we ended up in North Carolina, but that that was the beginning of leading us to this idea of living somewhere for real, like really started the ball rolling, living somewhere by the beach and and warmer. So as as they recap here on AirDNA, they say, unsurprisingly so, nearly all cities on this list fall into the category of traditional vacation rental destinations because you can have short-term rentals anywhere. Cities, not vacation destinations, but a lot of these are vacation areas. That makes sense. World-class ski resorts claim the top three spots. Florida has seven of the top 25 and other locations such as the coast of Alabama, South Carolina, and Hawaii all charge a pretty penny for a night's stay. So yes, um, vacation rental areas, just just overall, one of the reasons that we are starting to focus in them versus cities, because originally we focused in a city in Philadelphia, is because uh, twofold. One, usually they have the highest price per night or they just have the most nights booked. Right. Some you're combination getting, of them. Yeah, you're getting a lot more nights booked on your yearly calendar and you also the margins are usually a little bit bigger because when people are on vacation they're used to paying more you want to splash out night. on a vacation yeah, you want to splash out like especially if you're, if you're at the beach splash. if you're splashing out it's on a vacation right you have more you, you save money or you have more disposable income you're less mm-hmm. inclined to pinch pennies on vacation than if you're like oh i'm going to philadelphia for a work conference or something the other big benefit and we won't get too much into this because this changes so much and everything we wanted to do in this season was hopefully pretty much evergreen stuff. I mean, you could listen to this two, three years in the future. And while like the name of a software might change the ideas and concepts behind it won't when it comes to short-term rentals. And one of the things that does change is regulations. And one of the reasons that vacation rental areas are great for short-term rentals is that they have been renting short-term before Airbnb was a twinkle in anyone's eye. They're used to it. Most of their money coming into those areas is from tourism. So they won't, you know, probably cut or put big regulations on it because they know that if they do that, then people can't afford the homes there, then they're not going to buy it, then they don't get the tax dollars. Yeah, and so even in Philadelphia, we've heard that there are more regulations going in and, you know, it being a city, it's competing with all the hotels there and it's not solely a tourist-based city. So it's tougher. Barcelona has very much cracked down on Airbnb and short-term rentals Mm -hmm. because, again, there's so much other stuff going on there. Like tourists come, but... It's more like, hey, you can go and stay in a hotel. Some of these vacation rental places, if you go through that list, especially are a lot of them are like bigger groups are going. So hotels don't really service them the same way that like a house with like three, four, five bedrooms would as well. Right. And so also, I mean, it is just a little bit tougher in cities. So, for example, I'll just throw this one out there because we were talking about Florida and we were talking about possibly moving to Florida before we moved to North Carolina. And we were looking primarily in the St. Petersburg area. And with buying an investment property there in the city limit of St. Petersburg, there were a lot of regulations on how much you could short-term rent a property. And so that kind of scared us away a little bit, making it work because even though it's next to the beach, in the city limits, I mean, the beach towns, I think, had separate regulations. Yeah, but like in less. St. Pete City, yep. it yep. was tough. Yep, exactly. You're, that's a great point that I forgot about. Like, the, the beach towns had less regulations because, again, they it's a vacation spot, right. you know, whereas the city isn't as much. Right, There's, even though it was just right next to the beach. Yep. And we thought, oh, cool, it'd be so cool to live in St. Pete in the city. Um, and also because it's hard to find oceanfront properties available um, in that area that we could afford. <laughs> and so, yeah, we were looking in the city and yeah, it was just, just a didn't bit challenging. Work. So just think about that. Other things. So we're, what we're going to do here with the numbers and stats episode, Nerds Unite. I wish I had a little drop for that. But I'll I mean, just, I'll just, what would the drop be for Nerds Unite? I mean, I what's know. a nerdy sound? Like a calculator <laughs> coming? <laughs> There's a bunch of nerdy sounds, I'm sure. Um, but we're going to kind of focus on before buying and then after buying. So we'll break it up because some of you are in different spots on your journey. A lot of you are probably at the before buying spot. And... Um, you know, we'll just run through some stuff that we've learned and, and tools that we use and things that you can do to give yourself the best chance of really, really succeeding. And 
when we say that, we mean hitting home runs. Uh, we've hit home runs down here in North Carolina. As we mentioned, the ones in Philly were like singles and doubles. So we're like, well, how can we help people hit home runs instead of singles and doubles? Yeah, Let's just, help them just learn. skip the singles and the doubles. Is a triple a thing as Triple's well? Triple's a thing. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding? Why, when I why say are you hit leaving a, out the triple? Well, okay. If you try to hit a home run <laughs> and it's not a home run and it's a triple, that's still better than a single or double. There we go. Um, Let's not be discriminatory. With real pocket. estate, there is a the phrase out there that you you don't make money when you sell real estate. You make money when you buy real estate. And the idea is that if you get a good deal in the beginning, you know you're building in equity, right? If you get some under market or you just make a good a good buy. And so let's talk a little bit about be, before buying. Um, one of the things, and we're not going to get too deep on this topic because this is out of our purview. Um, yes, I've learned a little bit about financing and lending, but it's certainly not something I know a ton about. And it's not something we get that crazy with right now, because thankfully we've been able to get conventional financing. And by that, I mean 30-year conventional mortgages through banks uh, for our Philadelphia properties and now for our North Carolina properties. It's getting harder. It is getting harder, um, especially being self-employed. But uh, but also, there was a point when we bought, I'll just throw this out there, when we bought our last property, this set of four uh, cottages by the beach, and we weren't sure if we were going to manage this conventional loan. It was very challenging for us. And Trav's like, well, there's other options. And I'm like, what? What are the other options? Like selling drugs? I'm not sure what you're talking wow. about. <laughs> she right there. Okay. Oh, we got no, like I mean, little whip peddling drugs in the street corner here. As a joke, but I was I I didn't really know about other options. Yeah, I mean there there are other options. There's hard money lenders. I uh, can give you bridge Which loans. Sounds I don't know. Like to me, that sounds something like scary. Scary. Like it is scary. Coming at you with a bat because right. you owe them money. Well, I mean, I guess. <laughs> Taken to its most extreme example, yes. But um, yeah, there's other stuff. Uh, you can. One of the things that I'm learning a lot about, um, thanks to a friend of mine, Jeff, and one of the things I want to get into more is seller financing, which then just means that instead of going to the bank, the person selling you selling it to you holds holds the loan instead. You know, there, there's a lot of ways. We're not going to get into all that because you can learn all that on your own. And also, I, again, I only know a little it. bit. But just be aware on financing. If you're doing this on investment versus primary and this or, or second home, right? So if it's your first Airbnb uh, for sh for short term rental and it's somewhere that's not near where you're living, and again these are really like gray area rules, uh, you could you could get it as a secondary a second home mortgage, which is a little usually less than an investment property. If it's just going to be a straight investment, you know you're you're probably best going the traditional route and claiming it as investment property and your your mortgage rate will be a little higher, but then you're all above board and things like that. So just know that financing on investment properties, you know, when you see these commercials like 3% rate, you know, that's usually on a primary or a second home. You're probably not going to get that on investment. You might be up. What are you getting on an investment? Because Trav really does the financing. I'm not uh, super involved with it. So what I is mean, a it, typical interest rate for an investment? I mean, company? hard to really, these all fluctuate all the time. Probably at least you're going half a point higher, maybe even a point higher. And if you're getting like a commercial loan, which you might need if it's multifamily or 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 commercial building or whatever, then you're really looking at maybe a couple points, not a couple, yeah, a little bit than one and a half, two and a half, or two point. Then, then the average. Then, the then your traditional what normal people get primary financing. So that that's just that's it with financing. I uh, don't need to get into that too much, but just be aware of that if you're just running some rudimentary numbers, like you're not going to get 3% if that's what the typical rate is for primary if you're getting as an investment. So be conservative, run that number at 4%, right? If, if the normal rate is 3% and see, what, see if it works. And just because we ran into this and if people are out there and they're trying to buy their first one and they're, you know, doing it with a partner, for us, for example, with your, with dad. your dad giving us a loan for the... Um, down payment. Down, yeah, thank you. I'm sorry uh, for the down payment. We ran into an issue with that being that if it was over a certain amount, if it was gifted versus it being an investment property or yep. primary property, it just there's things that 
that can happen. So yeah, just be aware that it might not be as easy as just going and getting a loan, but it also can be, especially if it's just a second home. And let's talk about that then, because that leads us in the next point of like, we've talked about this every episode and it's going to come out in every episode because I want you to continue to hammer down on this. What do you want to achieve? Like, why are you getting into short-term rentals? If you are, what do you want to achieve? There's kind of two buckets that people fall in. And and one is most profit possible. I am buying a place to make the most money possible. I That means I'm going to look in areas that I, you know, are the ones that you've mentioned as being short-term rental hotspots, get the most per night, you know, whatever, all this stuff. I just want to make as much money as possible. My whole goal with it is, is that, is that profit and, and what I'm taking home at the end of the day. The other bucket is... If you just want a free place to have a vacation. So that means basically you'd buy an investment property and renting it out short term would cover everything. But then you could also use it for a couple of weeks out of the year and you use it for free because the short term rentals pay the um, complete mortgage and investment on it. Right. And so that's obviously a continuum, right? And there, there's like, there's hybrid versions of that. And, you know, so... Just think about that. We have friends and your brother, we've talked about him, your brother, Tony, my buddy Beans. Uh, they essentially want to buy in a specific area, not because the numbers are the best there, but because they want to have a place there. They might want to at some point retire there, although both are fairly far from retirement, but you know, they, they've always, they've grown up going there. they like it. They, they want a vacation. They were their family. So for them, the idea isn't as much profit possible. It's okay. We're going to use this and we're going to short-term rent it. It's going to make us money. We're going to get the vacation here for free, and we're probably going to have some income on top of it, like some extra income. So where do you fall on that scale? That's going to determine a lot of stuff, you know, specifically where you're looking, um, and, you know, that's going to that's going to start to either widen your scope of where you're looking or narrow your scope. And that's where AirDNA really comes in. You said my favorite website. It is awesome. Yeah. I mean, well, you can really just go crazy and input where you want and AirDND will, AirDNA, sorry, will give you the numbers for that Air area. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, D&D. Yes. It'll give, AirDNA. It'll give, I mean, you, even with a free account, um, you can use one of their functions that essentially allows you, you, you have to sign up, but that, but it's a free account. You don't have to pay for it. You can put in a property, any address in the U S it doesn't, didn't used to work for international. I haven't checked in a while, but in the U S and it will pull the numbers for all the other properties around it that are similar. So for example, if, if I put in our house here and I put that it was four bedroom, two and a half bath, it would see what the other rentals had done in the last 12 months. So it's always a rolling 12 month thing. So the numbers are actually always changing, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and it'll say like, okay, four bed, two and a half bath in your area are doing this amount of gross. Um, if you pay for a version, then you can get even way more insight, but that will give you some an idea of gross numbers. Just be aware. This is kind of my, you know, be aware when you do this, that, that you have to be careful because if you're on the periphery, right? Like if you're saying, Oh, a six bedroom, um, there's not a lot of six bedroom properties. So I've seen it where like a five bedroom says it's going to gross a hundred K a year and a six bedroom says it's going to gross 190 K a year. Okay. Probably not gonna the five bedroom double. one is right. Cause like if, a, and then you see a four bedroom, it gross 90 K a year, right? If there's a huge jump or a huge disparity, when you change the number of people or the number of bedrooms or the number of bathrooms, you're like this doesn't seem right. It's probably just because there's not that much data for those ones that are outliers, either really big properties, really small properties, or if you're looking in a rural, I have looked in some rural areas before where it, where the numbers just seem weird. And that's probably because there might be one or two other places and there's just not enough data to, to give you a good average. Right. So what you're saying is you should use air DNA because it gives you really good perspective, but it's not the end all be all. You still have to do some other research. Yeah. You want to, you want to do research on what, you know, and that can be as simple as going on to Airbnb and just getting a feel for people's calendar. What, before I knew about AirDNA, this is why I didn't fill in. This is oh, one hey, of I was going to say, we did AirDNA ourselves like 
very poorly. Yeah, well, we this was one of the mistakes I used. Is that systems, I, but yeah, I didn't use Air DNA to start. What I did was well, I, we didn't I, know about it. Right, I didn't know about it. It actually was very much in its infancy when I started in Philly, so it's way better now. And um, what I did was I'd go on and I'd search for four bedrooms in Philly. I'd look at their average nightly rates. I'd look at their calendars, and I tried to set a a base price per night that that I thought was reasonable based on all these comparables I looked at. You still can do that, and that will that will give you some an okay estimation. The problem is that calendars can be wonky. People can have a calendar blocked off for different days for them using it, so it doesn't mean that it's actually booked that much. Average nightly price now, Airbnb is weird. It shows like it doesn't tell the whole story. So that's like a very rudimentary way to do it. So I would start with AirDNA and then go and kind of essentially check your work on Airbnb and say, hey, does this seem to jive with what I'm looking at? Yeah, so it's a very useful tool. And it's also just pretty fun and interesting to see the markets around the U.S. and how they're performing. Yeah. And so from there- If once, you're a nerd, right? I mean- I mean, and if you're listening, you should be a nerd, right? <laughs> Nerds unite! Um, where's- <laughs> Get that calculator sound out. I know, out. like the <laughs> rolling paper. Um, things to consider then. Once you get your gross number, a lot of where I start, and again, I'll get kind of deep in the weeds in this, but um, you know, also try to keep it as uh, overview as possible. Please, for all of us. <laughs> Thank because you. we might not all be as nerdy as you. Right, well, I did, <laughs> right. And so you might have to listen to this again or something, um, but- Kind of it all starts with your gross number. That's where that's where I like to start. That's where after kind of talking with my buddy Clint and he kind of showed me his format and I've talked to some other people who do short-term rentals, a lot of people start with the gross number and then go from that. So once you know your gross number, how much is my property going to bring in a year, then you start deducting. And this is where it, it the rubber meets the road because a lot of properties will seem good in theory. And I've done this with my buddy Frank and we got to the end and it was like, you will make $15 a year, <laughs> you know? And There's it was like, a lot that goes into it. You have to think about all of these next things, the yeah. things to consider. And he was like, no, what? This seems so good on the surface. I said, yeah, but look at like the numbers aren't lying here. And so there's a lot to consider that people don't, they see this gross number and they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to make so much money. But you have to start whittling away that gross number to get the, the real net profit that you'll make at the end. So 15 to 20% of your gross is going to be for cleaners right off the bat. So when you see that AirDNA number, that includes how much that person is getting paid out, including the cleaning fee. So even though it's broken out on Airbnb as a separate thing, it does come to you. The cleaning fee does come to you when Airbnb pays you out, and then you just pay out the cleaners. Um, so take off 15 to 20% gross for cleaners right off the bat. Then on top of that, after you get that new number, take off whatever the property management fee is going to be if you want property managers. We talked about in the last episode, so if you haven't listened to that and you're not sure what goes into that, go listen to that episode. A rough estimate is going to be 20% for property managers. Um, and this is pretty standard. You might pay 25. You might be able to get it down to 15, but use- all depends. Yeah, 20% for property management. Uh, which is a pretty hefty number for a lot of people. And again, it comes into that, do you want a property management? Yes or no. Then the other things that you can think about are just normal everyday life things that you need at a home, consumables such as, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning supplies. Getting new towels and new linens are going to come into that. Now, some people have the cleaners do the linens, but, you know, that's getting pretty minutia. But everything that will get beat up in your property or used. So again, even I would even throw consumables in, in here, Heth. We don't do this, but if you want it to be really micro on it, like how much are you going to spend a year replacing things like the lamps that broke or, you know, new pillows or whatever. Light bulbs. Yeah. So consumables, things that, that people will use up and you'll have to get new ones. Utilities. So just keep in mind that you have to still pay for the electric, the water, the internet. If you choose to do cable, I mean, we recommend getting smart TVs, then you don't need cable, but there are all of those utilities that you might not factor in to the price, but you really should because that takes away from your profit. And that's also different than long-term rentals because typically in long-term rentals, the tenant pays for all that. You know, at least in the US, it's usually normal where you know, you pay rent and then you pay all your utilities. In short-term rentals, you're not making people pay utilities. So that's a 
And that can be a fairly high number. Um, you know, again, a couple, at least two, three, four hundred dollars a month when you factor in fifty to a hundred for internet, two hundred for electric, gas, heat, whatever, AC, all that kind of stuff. Trash removal. Yep. Did you say that one? Well, uh, well, then there's then there's the water, sewer, trash. Different towns do it differently. Yep. That's kind of all lumped in. Usually, you might be paying the city or the borough or whatever that. Sometimes you have to get private companies, but that is also yep. Just in add, utilities. Add in all the numbers add, that you add, can add, possibly add. think of. We really should have had a calculator because that would have been fun. That would have been but, great. <laughs> and then something that we have to deal with because we have properties now here next to the ocean, and that is insurance, homeowners insurance is much higher here yep. and we also have flood insurance which so. is oh man for our cottages because they're not elevated yikes it's almost worth spending a lot of money to elevate them if we're gonna hold them because man we're getting dinged i think it's like eight thousand dollars a year for flood insurance for those yeah. cottages whereas our house which is right on the ocean which is elevated we're only paying 350 dollars a year is that so, all yes. i thought it was it used thousand. to be 10000 Yeah. I mean, that is and a cool thing. That's one of the reasons why we decided that we actually could buy this house because the flood insurance dropped dramatically dropped based on its so zoning. So much. So we yeah. were like, I mean, and it could change. Could change. So, um, and it's one reason why we're honestly looking after we kind of get a few places here to maybe go to the mountains yeah. to say, oh, we don't I have don't to pay know. flood insurance. I don't know. Are there insurance? special ah. insurances there? Avalanche? Insur I mean, not in the U.S., but. Yeah. So just be aware of your insurances and your insurance policies. We're not going to get too in depth in this, but different areas have then those extra ones, as Heather mentioned. Flood's a big one, of course, but some areas might have higher homeowners because of earthquakes or tornadoes. I don't know. We don't have places in those areas. So be aware of, of that and also be aware of what you'd need to cover because you have rental renters in too. So there renters is insurance versus homeowners. Insurance. Yeah. Like there's different policies if you're going to rent it over half a year. So uh, be aware of that. Yeah. Then Heather's you don't want to get into a situation where you weren't covered because you didn't right. have the right homeowners first rental insurance. Like, right. Just please make sure that that's taken care yes. of. Yes. And um, yeah, for sure. Um, one, one last note on insurance is Airbnb does one of the good things about go, having people book through these, uh, these platforms is, and that's why they take their fees and all, whether it be VR or Verbo or Airbnb or what booking.com. Is it really Verbo? It is Verbo now. I, so I at the short term rental, at the bigger pockets conference, there was like a running joke between some of us because yes, the new commercials are all about like, it's Verbo. Like they have all this big thing to <laughs> okay. make it. Sure, everyone says Verbo. I guess it is easier to say Verbo versus VRBO. So Verbo, Airbnb, what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, they do also have insurance to cover stuff in your house. So we did run into an issue with one of our Philly properties where we had to claim $7,000 worth of damages. Uh, there was a crazy party there. It was People the worst case. I mean, th we yes. didn't this is the only time in all the years that this happened. It was a yes. really bad and, and it actually, I mean, not that it was a fun process, but it was, no. uh, Airbnb made it, I mean, we had all the pictures, we had to write up the stuff, but they did pay out pretty quickly and it does work very similar to if you had to make an insurance claim with your insurance company. So just know that that is one of the benefits of going through those platforms is that they are going to have that type of insurance in case something gets messed up. Now, another big thing that people have to figure out here is Heather's favorite part and Heather's you know this is where she just lives and loves and crushes <laughs> and that is furnishing and staging a property yes so you know it depends on the level you want your property to be at you can obviously furnish things pretty sparingly and not spend a lot but we'll give you a couple numbers for the properties that we've done in the past and all of our Philly properties, so we had five of them, and they were all four bedrooms, except one was a one was a two bedroom with a loft, right. so it was smaller. It was about thousand square feet, and but most were about fifteen. One was two bedrooms, so yeah, they were kind of similar in size. Where we're furnishing about three to four bedrooms, about fifteen hundred square feet. Yes, and we spent. About fifteen thousand to twenty, I think probably closer to twenty thousand. The first property was like twelve, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then we realized that it just looked way worse than the other ones. Yeah, and so you know, it is worth it to spend a little bit more. Um, so we spent about fifteen to twenty thousand furnishing all of those Philly properties, and I would have to say, looking back, I would have, I personally would have spent 
even more, not an exorbitant amount more, but even just a couple thousand more to add those extra like decorative touches. Like we would like, for example, there'd be a couple of them that had open shelves and the open shelves were kind of just, just empty shelves. because Trav's like, nope, we're done. We're like, no more like, money. I don't want spent. any more Marshall yeah. random things from uh home goods littering right. these shelves. So now with our beach house and with um, these cottages and the cottages are, are all smaller. So they'll be cheaper to furnish but we're making sure that all of those extra touches are there and that there's like you know at first I think Trav was like oh well you have throw pillows and extra blankets like throw blankets and why do you need all of this stuff but it makes it look finished and it makes it feel like that you know wait you said at, hotel at experience first as if like I've come to the other side and I like love throw pillows and blankets no, now. I wouldn't say you love it but I think that you understand the need for it because you don't want a bed to look empty even though you don't want to go crazy and have like I understand 10, the need for the 10 it. pillows on there like some people do but anyway I understand the need but I also don't <laughs> want to see the receipt right well you know it basically what I'm trying to say is come up with a reasonable number and just make sure that you're doing what your goal is what your avatar is and what your avatar would want at the property so if you're going for you know minimal like i want to spend 150 bucks a night on a property for one bedroom or something or two bedroom okay well i wouldn't go crazy with the furnishing but if you want to have a higher level Airbnb or your avatar is somebody who really wants to have like more of a luxury experience. You have to put the money in. Otherwise you won't get yeah. the results that you, you want. won't get the people in there yeah. you need. And th- this is, that's a really good point. Hath, we talked about this in episode three. If you missed it, uh, if you did, please go back and listen to that because we talked about who is your Airbnb for, and that's the different the biggest difference between our Philly properties and our North Carolina ones and why these ones are home runs and those were singles and doubles is that we really honed in on who our property was for and we are going for that elevated experience higher end experience you don't have to that's fine but we have found that that works best for us for Heather's design skill also for the properties that we want to acquire and also for the guests that we like to have come in and and the margins that we want to have so I wouldn't push anyone who who's like no 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 I don't want to have that at all into it but if you were on the fence like what do I want to do I I would trend towards saying make an elevated higher end experience doesn't have to be crazy high-end but again, uh, more yeah. important than that is unique. Plus, can we just throw out that somebody sent you an article today about properties in Miami renting for $400,000 four hundred thousand a month? There is a okay. property in Miami, a short-term rental property. <gasps> what? Who? Who? Beyonce. That's who's renting that house. I mean, probably. Come 400, on. 400000 a month. And the article, I just, because yeah. this was a cool article, I was like, this is insane. I, surely the guy typed the wrong zero. No, there are a lot of execs from New York and California who are moving to Miami who are building their own, you know, 15, 20, 25 million dollar mansions or looking for the right one. And they're willing to spend $400,000 a month to stay in. I mean, most were 100 to 150,000, but there was one that was 400,000. And uh, that guy, so. but that person mm-hmm. knew their avatar. Well, they sure I mean, did. talk about knowing their avatar. Gosh. You're like, I'm the most expensive short term rental in the world. I'm going to guess there's no furniture from Target or Ikea at that. Well, one of the things <laughs> I wanted to mention too had this number that you said 15 to 20 for the Philly properties, 25K for the beach house. That is also with you being very good. And this is where hiring a designer might, might actually save you money. Um, if you don't like doing it yourself or if you don't know how to do it, um, you have become very good at at finding high-end and high-level stuff for cheaper prices. So, like, yes, anyone could go and spend $20,000 on a couch or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you could just go straight and it would up be to super high-end. restoration hardware and get a couch. Like, that's fine. I mean, if that if you have the budget for that. Whereas for us, it's like, well, we want it to look high-end, but we I like to find the look for less without sacrificing too much quality. I mean, obviously a couch at Restoration Hardware is going to be nicer than our couch that we bought at Ashley Furniture, 100%. But our couch at Ashley Furniture was, I think, $2,000. It looks great. I don't love it, but it the look is there and the comfort is there. So fine. That was a, that was a win for us. And we didn't have to go to Restoration Hardware and spend, you know, $8,000 on a couch. Um, but we still have a beautiful If that person space. who has a $400,000 a month house is listening, they're probably like, 
What's restoration hardware? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, they're just getting some straight up beautiful, amazing yeah. designers that are an architect architectural digest which i do read but then i'm like oh my gosh somebody spent that much on that i just it's not even in our so, so just know yeah, yeah with furnishings radar. you know with the numbers we're giving you can, can obviously change lots of variables but heather has gotten really good i like that like the look for less so if you if you if you want that and you don't feel comfortable with it you can either go out and spend more money because you're like well i don't know where i'm going to get the look for less i'm just going to spend more or you can hire a designer who part of that part of that could be getting you pieces that are, you know, cheaper, but still that quality and or that look. Or that so, look, yes. Um, so yeah, that factor in the cost of furnishing. Mm -hmm. And again, who's your avatar? And then and then go with there. Um, after So that's kind of all the before buying numbers. After buying comes the, the part of like, first is really... How are you going to price? And we talked about in the last episode, there is uh, awesome software. There, there's a few different softwares. We use Beyond Pricing. I, I would recommend it to be able to automate your pricing. It will help you, you know, jack your prices up um, when there's a lot of demand and lower and when there isn't and all this kind of fun stuff. But you also have to come up with your strategy for pricing. And some of that is depending on again, your avatar and how much you want. So in Philly, originally our goal, because we were managing ourselves, was that we wanted to keep the pricing prices high to have less occupancy. But when they did come in, they were paying more because we were managing ourselves. So that meant, hey, can we make the same amount of money dealing with less guests and hopefully less headaches? When we turned over to a property manager, their whole goal was let's drop the yeah. price, higher occupancy, lower price, because then when we get higher occupancy, we'll rate higher on Airbnb, and then we'll raise our prices back up. As we've talked about, we didn't really get to see if that strategy worked fully because COVID hit and decimated the market in Philadelphia. But you have to you have to consider, again, who it is that's coming to your place and what you want out of it. And if your properties are luxury, is there a certain, if your properties are anything, like is there a certain price that you won't go under? Yeah, so just think about that um, when you're thinking about listing. Because there there is a point of um, of return where it's like, this isn't worth it. And, you know, maybe it's $100 a night, maybe it's $200 a night, where you're like, it just doesn't, it's not worth the hassle if I'm managing myself. It's not worth the wear and tear on the house, even if a property manager's renting it, um, because, you know, it's not making us enough back. Right. And then we talk about how to organize your finances. And this is something that we have learned over the years that it's really, we want to be able to track for each property if you're getting more than one. Um, or even, you know, if you only have one, you want it to be separate from your personal mortgages and things that you're spending. So we have started using separate bank accounts and credit cards for each property. And I have to say it has been so incredibly helpful for us. And especially now that we're renovating um, this set of four cottages, even for the renovation process, it's like, okay, well, it's all there accurate for us and also accurate for our accountant, which I'm sure she must appreciate because when you're not organized, it just adds so much level of stress. And when you're dealing with money, I have to say that being organized and knowing the numbers is much better than sticking your head in the sand. So try to be as organized as possible so that you know exactly how much you're spending. And then you can decide whether you want to spend less next time or more. Or maybe you you, you finish the property, but you're like, oh, I have these couple things I really wanted to add. But then when you look at all the numbers, you're like, okay, now I think we can add this. And that's the fun part of it being an investment property too, is you know that you're going to get the money back eventually. And you can do it in stages. You can wait until you've made some money and then do upgrades or anyway this is for another episode really well we are but going to I'm talk just, about renovating but this yeah. gets into like what to spend on and what and yeah. what and what you can skimp on for lack of a better word what what would you recommend when it comes like all right you've bought the property this can be furniture decor stuff like that um where are you yeah like where are you saying all right i would definitely make sure i spend on this but here's a thing that you know, you could get away with not having to, to go super high end or not spend as much on. Well, I already used the example of a couch. So, you know, you don't want to get the cheapest couches out there because they won't be comfortable or durable, but you know, you don't want to spend a ton. So find pretty much with everything. I always try to find the middle level of it. Um, you always want to make sure that you have good beds. I don't think that you can skimp and splurge on beds and the bedding. So I don't buy like 800 count 
cotton sheets, but I definitely don't use the polyester microfiber sheets because they don't hold up well. They make people sweat. I just don't like them. They start looking dingy. So I always get 100% cotton sheets, whatever thread level you feel comfortable buying. And I always get nice comforters, blankets, all of that. Make sure you have a good mattress. Like all these little touches, you don't want somebody not wanting to sleep in I mean, bed. everyone <laughs> is going to come to your Airbnb yeah, and, sleep. and sleep. So, so make sure. And we get a lot of awesome comments of people's, actually our first Airbnb in Philly, one of the things in our headline, you know, you can only have so many characters, it was awesome beds because we, we found the beds that we thought were the best. And then people would come and they'd comment and they'd ask us like, where did you buy these? How can I buy these? I'm going to buy these for my house. And so, um, you know, definitely... The things that people are going to use, make sure are you, you, if something substandard, it's going to ruin the whole experience, especially like a bed. If they're like, well, that property was amazing. But oh my gosh, that bed was horrible. That, that stinks. Like you can do everything else right and screw up on the bed and then yeah, yeah so, people won't come back and they'll say it in the reviews. Yeah. I really try to make the bedroom an oasis. So that goes with getting a great mattress, having it on a headboard or a platform, you know, making sure that the whole sleeping experience is just really cool. We have spent more time talking about headboards than I ever thought I'd ever <laughs> like ever spend in my life because we want them to be unique too, right? And yeah. and headboards are hard to find. Oh, and nightstands. Nightstands and headboards. They're just expensive, so it is hard to find like the lower level, like the look for less with with those options. Um but yeah, I mean, you can get cheap ones and then they fall apart. So again, and, a, and Heather has convinced me because I used to, I'd be like, we don't need a headboard. Like, just throw it on this bed frame. No. And I, it's, listen, it's not going to look good. <laughs> it's not, it's just not, unless you're doing something in like a loft yeah. or something funky, put a headboard in, mile. come on. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, I could talk about this for days, but the one thing for bonus sure. Bonus episode? Yeah, we could do. Just on furnishings? <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely splurge on the bed and the bedding and where people are going to spend time. The couch, the bed and the bedding. Yeah, for sure. And then when we talk about, you know, the, the numbers that you want to track, I just want to throw this in here. Very, the numbers that we talked about before buying that you used to figure out if it was worth it are the exact numbers that you want to track. So what are your gross rents? You know, how much are you spending? So you you want to keep, I like to keep a very uh, keen eye on how much you're spending on consumables because that's something that can be really variable. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't think my guess was we'd spend 200 a month and we're spending 500 a month yeah. on toilet paper. Track okay. It. You know, is there something we can do? Do we give people less toilet paper, make them buy their own, whatever. But uh, definitely track everything that we mentioned. Utilities should, should usually be pretty standard. Um, they might peak in different seasons, air conditioning, heat, things like that. But um, track all of that. And I would, especially in the beginning, either have your property manager do it, or if you're doing it yourself, track those, very granularly mm -hmm. because sometimes you're going to see something you're going to say, man, I thought we were going to make this much and we're not. Why not? And then you can go back and say, oh, all right, our electric bills are way higher or okay. Um, you know, this is our, our insurance was higher than we thought. Is there something we can do different? So all the things that we mentioned going before you buy making, getting those numbers are things that you need to make sure you're tracking pretty tight or else it's just going to like at the end of the year, you're going to look at it and say, whoa, I don't even know how I got here. Right. Speaking of that, let's talk really quickly about and reiterate this of how to outperform others. Because after buying, like you you want to buy in the right place, you do all the work beforehand, the money's made when you buy real estate, not when you sell. But after buying, you can also then kill the market in a good way. And we did that <laughs> with this house. AirDNA, I'll give you an example for the house that we're in, told us that we were going to gross about $100,000 on this beach house that we're in. And if we were to rent it every month, a year and not live here ourselves, we would probably be in the 180, maybe even closer to 200K range. So we doubled what AirDNA told us. Now, I wouldn't tell you to go in thinking you're going to double what AirDNA tells you. In fact, if you do that, um, you're going to lose because that's very hard to do you might be able to outperform the market by 10, 20%. And if you do, that's a significant that's a sweet spot. amount of money yeah. that you're going to make. So how can you outperform others in your market? Well, all the things that we talked about with making your listing, you know, from mediocre to magical or middle of the road to magical. So we did a lot of deep diving in that actual episode. episode three. But there are 
things, you know, like if you know your avatar, lean into that, right? So even when we were just talking about consumables and Travis, like, oh, well, if you're spending too much on toilet paper. But my thing is, I don't like going to an Airbnb and not having enough toilet paper. Right. Like when you, they give you one roll and like there's no other replacement roll. Well, when I said that example, <laughs> I thought, don't do that. Like yeah. that's something we've realized, I mean, like just, it's going to annoy people. cheaper toilet paper, but no, I would yeah. not do that either. Just, Good toilet I paper. I don't know, <laughs> but little things like that, that you just, you know, or like when beach houses especially do this in the U.S. anyway, they don't provide the linens. People here do that in this beach town. Other listings, we do because I think it makes that. You mean they do that, meaning other beach places don't provide the linens. We do provide the linens. Sorry, I wasn't clear with that. I apologize. I meant we do provide linens. Other Airbnb's are like, well, bring your own linens. I just, even if you're coming from the next town over, that's inconvenient. Most people are coming from much further than that. So those are the extra levels that I just think are important to, again, make sure with your quality assurance that everything is just top notch and it's the same for the very first guest you have to the one you have the hundredth guest, you know, it's across the board the same. And that comes with, again, your avatar, because we know we're going luxury. We know we're going for families. We know how big of a pain that would be if a family of eight has to bring all their own linens. Um, And we don't want to be the cheapest place on the beach that makes you bring your own linens, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's not the avatar we're going after. So yeah, you can, the biggest way to outperform others is to know who your avatar is, lean into it and provide the experience that that avatar really wants. And that is something that we missed in Philly to a decent degree. And that's something that we've started to nail here in North Carolina and the numbers bear it out. We are just killing this market, resetting the market, making a lot more money for ourselves and having better experiences for guests. And that's really then when you're like a true win, win, win. So, um, definitely for everybody, fun for everyone, making (laughs) that magical, magical money makers. Yes. So those are some of the numbers you want to look at guys. Um, I hope that this deep dive really, really helped you. And uh, yeah, go nerd out, go check out Air DNA. And if you haven't listened to some of the other episodes, go check those out too, because we have, we're, we're building on stuff, you know, like we've built on some of the stuff we've talked about before. So thank you guys so much for listening. And of course, happy short-term rental success. Lightning struck in an open plane. And we forgot this old city's name See your breath on window pane Let's just talk till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way On my way through I saw you And I'll see you again Someday Nerds Unite!